We're continuing our series this afternoon on promises and paradigms, and the title of the message is Resources. Keep the word short, and that way it gives focus and attention to each of our lives. So I want to start with a question that I want you to write down in our thinking today, and I will randomly ask various members of the congregation at different points over the next few weeks. What is the most outrageous thought, belief that you have that God will provide in your life? You should write that down. No, I don't want to hear, you know, a husband or a wife. Something, something other than that for just one minute, please, for the few of us here on the left-hand side, my left, your right. Take a moment. What is it that you are actually believing God for? Is it for your debt to be cleared? Is it for some of the mindsets that we have to be altered? Because however much we believe that that will come to pass will dictate and define our appetite and our desire and our belief in God's word for it to come to pass. Otherwise, we fall into what's known as a poverty mindset. Now, poverty is an economic term, let's just be clear, but spiritually it's a mindset. So I want us to think a little bit around this this afternoon, around the types of poverty mindsets that we can get into. So let's lay a bit of landscape and a bit of thinking. Perhaps you're here and you have a poverty mindset and some of the challenges are orientated around the fact that you fail to recognize your value. Your encounters, your experiences, your environment has eroded and diluted what you know to be true in your heart is how valuable you are in God's eyes. And so the poverty mindset creeps in whereby we think, oh, God's not going to give me that. He'll give this person that. Or God doesn't have an ability to provide for me in this area, but he might in that area. That's a poverty mindset. That says that God is not sufficient. Well, that violates God's word. Amen? Because God makes it very, very clear that all treasures are at his right hand. So what do we believe? Do we believe the Bible or do we believe our feelings and our emotions in these moments? So we have to challenge our thinking in this area. The second reason is perhaps your current level of faith is not maybe where you want it to be and therefore your experiences are defined by your past and you allow yourself to have sufficient faith for only the here and the now. But you don't believe that God will provide you with a better future. We have to believe with all of our heart that God always has his best interests at the forefront of his heart and mind. Anything less than that violates God's word. We must see the fullness and the goodness of God in every area of our lives. So I want to make a suggestion to us this afternoon. We are going to serve an eviction notice on a poverty mindset over our lives. Amen? I think we should give a round of applause to the Lord for that. Because we have to break the lies that the enemy, that the world seeks to implement in our hearts and lives. Otherwise, we will never walk in the fullness of all of that. The second thing we're going to do is we're going to declare God's word and God's promises over our lives. And then we are going to move gloriously and purposely towards his provision for our lives. God does not want you to merely survive. Yeah? You, you, you weren't put on this earth. God didn't breathe into you life. He didn't shape every part of your life to merely just get by. Pay the bills, hopefully. Yeah? And then just get by through life. You are called to thrive in every environment, in every situation, you're called to thrive. You're called to flourish. You're called to grow. And yet, 
our heart and our mind and our stance can sometimes be, oh, woe to me, look at what I'm going through, blah, 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 because we've allowed a poverty mindset to creep into our hearts and minds. Getting by mentality, not, not, no, not for sons and daughters of the Most High God. That is not our portion. Is your mind shackled by the spirit of poverty? It's a serious question. Take a moment, consider it, because it's negative. It will always feed on the lack, and it will sometimes live out generationally. So without going into a health and wealth prosperity gospel sermon, which this will not be today, if your parents didn't have sufficiency in natural terms, then you will start to think that just getting by is living the life that God wants for you to have. That what was the ceiling has become the floor, and what the reality is we need to reverse that in every area of our lives. If you can understand that poverty is a mindset created by your experiences, your environment, and your exposure, you will have a better chance of making an impact in your situation and understanding it. The problem, by the way, is not money. More money is not going to solve your problem, right? Let me, let me say that straight away. You think about any person that's ever won the lottery. Most of them squander it, and they're even more unhappy at the end of that journey than when they, before they won the lottery. So the answer is not more money. Thinking has to change in this area for us. Poverty can create a mindset that certain beliefs about ourself and the world will put limitations on God's ability to provide for our lives. The moment you don't believe that God has the best for you, you have essentially decided in your heart that God has vacated the throne of your life and that he is now no longer sufficient. That is not the reality that we live in. There is a chasm between what we know to be true and what we're anticipating because our confidence and our faith has been eroded by the past. The real cause of one living in poverty is our attitude and our belief system. If you're brought up around poverty and you demonstrate a poverty mindset, then that mindset is going to duplicate itself. Have you ever thought a fear, oh, I'm never gonna have enough? You I mean you only have to go to the supermarket now, try, try and buy hand wash in the supermarket today, right? <laughs> you know, you can never have enough, right? Sorry, just thought I'd slip that joke in, but that's the reality. We have to break that state of mind in our thinking that we will never have enough because those decisions will chain or release faith in our lives that will cause us to flourish in the things of God. Psalm 23, 5, the second part of it, we read it, my cup overflows with blessings. That's the word of God. God's greatest dream for your life is that you will be blessed beyond measure. God does not just want to bless you for you. He wants to bless you so that you can bless others. Amen. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. And so ask yourself, where are you on this journey? Where are you in your heart and in your mindset? Do you really believe that God actually wants to bless you? Because we can often associate guilt, shame, sin, these sort of things we believe can block God's ability to provide for our lives. And yet, the Bible is so clear. He is El Shaddai, the God of more than enough. Amen? So here's a quote for you. The person with a discontented heart has the attitude that everything he does for God is too much and everything God does for him is too little. Have you ever fallen into that trap? 
So there's three antidotes that we're going to explore in how we can overcome this. The first is access to God's provision. Think about areas of your life where we know that we need access. Some of us believe that it's spiritual to be poor. That is not the way that God lives and it's not the way that he wants us to live. We have access to God's provision when we connect to him purposefully and intentionally in our walk with him. We will see his goodness in the land of the living. We will see his righteous right hand provide for each and every one of us. God never gives you a plan and then doesn't su supply resources for it. Think about the last time God asked you to do something. I guarantee you whatever it was, he provided for you. Amen? So a small testimony, it goes back a few years when I was in America for uh, five or six months. I didn't have any intentions to do any work for the kingdom per se. I was just on a holiday seeing friends. And God had put it on my heart that I should go to uh, do some work with YWAM. Now that's Youth with a Mission. Uh, they're in every city in America and I thought, well, I need to get out of my comfort zone. I want to go to a country where I don't speak the language. The, the language I speak isn't the language that I understand. So Spanish, for example, I don't speak Spanish fluently. So I said, I'm going to go to a country, get out of my comfort zone. And I decided I'm going to go to the DR and help build an orphanage. Uh, the finances that I had saved for about three years to have this lovely holiday did not accommodate for this month that I was going to spend in the Dominican Republic. But you know what happens? When you partner with what God wants to do, things change. In this very building, someone grabbed me after the 11 a.m. service, four Sundays before I went, and said, I need to speak to you. I thought, okay. They took me over to the Starbucks. They handed me an envelope. It was thick. 1,200 pounds at $1.63 at the time. That was a little over $2,000. That covered every single penny of my flight, of my accommodation, of the stuff that I needed to buy. I came back with $20. $20. God of the overflow. God will always provide when you partner with him, when you're doing God's work. Look at Abraham. Abraham was blessed beyond measure. The Bible clearly shows us that we are to exceed and emulate the blessings of Abraham in our life. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth and he confirms his covenant, which he swore to his ancestors as in today. Now, this was a covenant clearly spoken to Abraham, but it is a primarily, the blessing was spiritual, the coming of Jesus the Messiah, but other components were natural. This verse reminds us that God is consistent and never changing in his desires and his intentions for your life. God will never give you the power to achieve something and then condemn you for achieving it. Abandon the idol of living in hardship. It is not your portion. God will provide for you so that you can provide for others. Remind yourself, Psalm 24 verse 1, I think Simon mentioned it earlier. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it and all who live in it. He is the fullness thereof. Therefore, everything belongs to him and he alone grants access to those of us that are prepared to understand it. Which means you have access to God's resources. Tell your neighbor, you have access to God's resources. <laughs> Think about that for a second. And so here's, a, here's some verses to encourage you. Jeremiah 32, verse 27. I am the Lord, the God of all mankind. Is there anything too hard for me? 
What about Jeremiah 33.3? Call to me and I will answer you and show you both great and unsearchable things that you do not yet know. Or Matthew 19.26, which most of us know well, Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The second element that we need to understand is that God will be plentiful in his provision for our lives. He is not a God of mediocrity, a God that will just give us enough to get by. He is a God of plentiful. R.T. Kendall always says that we must train our hearts to have hearts of gratitude, which means in and out of every season of our lives, we must show gratitude for what we've already received, for what God has already blessed us with, so that we can flourish in all that he has for us. Your life should be a river of blessing for others. And while you wait for your blessing, be a blessing to others. Too many of us in our Christian walk, well, you know, I'm just going to stand here until God gives me what I want. No. As you wait, celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives. Step towards that. Be intentional. Be purposeful. Your blessing is on the way. Serve, sacrifice, and celebrate with others. Psalm 36, 8 and 9. They feast. Last time I feasted was Christmas, right? They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from your rivers of delight. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. Psalm 65, verses 11 and 12. You crown the year with your goodness. Your vats overflow with what? Abundance. There's that word again. The pastures of wilderness overflows. The hills gird themselves with joy. Prosperity is tied into the land. Harvest will always signify prosperity. In farming terms, the moment the harvest is ready, the farmer goes out and harvests it. Why? Because he knows there's money there, there's, there's increase there, there's abundance there, there's favor there, there's joy there. Your land is your heart. How you posture, how you plant, and how position your heart will determine and dictate how much you harvest in terms of joy for the kingdom, in terms of the resources of God's kingdom, because he wants to see you flourish. Or what about Psalm 84 verses 11 and 12? For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Blessed is the one who trusts in you. These are promises of God, friends. This is, these are not just opinions. These are from the Psalms. These is from the word of God that declares that God wants us to live in abundance and fullness. Whether we are rich or poor, though, we are taught to live with a heart of gratitude. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances, which means in and out of season, whether you're having a good day, a bad day, whether you've been blessed or not, give thanks, for this is God's will for you. But we have to cultivate a heart of expectancy because our attitude matters. And Simon mentioned it this morning, what we think about is very important. How we position ourselves is very important because if we don't position our heart and our attitude correctly, then whatever we want to experience is what we will experience. But if we don't have faith for it, how do we expect God to bless our lives? True freedom happens when we rest in God's goodness. And finally, point three, be kingdom-minded. We have to watch what we say. The power of life and death is found in the tongue. We have to absorb the unlimited possibilities of God. 
The enemy of abundance is a limited understanding of God's power and provision and potential in your life. Do not be limited by circumstance. Do not be limited by the resources of the world, but be empowered by the resources of heaven. Be empowered by the fact that all treasures are at his right hand. He is in full control of every aspect of your life. Now, you might be in the land of barely enough right now. You, know, you ever, ever had any one of those like self-enforced fasts at the end of the month waiting for payday? No, <laughs> just me. <laughs> Occasionally, you know, a couple of days, uh, a few years ago. But here's the reality for us. God clothes the lilies of the field. He feeds the birds of the air. God is going to take care of you. You might be living in the land of just enough right now. Your needs are supplied. You might be grateful. There's nothing extra to accomplish in your dreams. But God did not put you on this earth for you to just get by. Those are seasons. Those are tests. But they are not permanent. It is only temporary. God has a promised land for you. That is where you are. It is not who you are. That is your location. That is not your identity. You are a child of the Most High God. No matter what it looks like, you have to have an abundant mentality. Deuteronomy 28 verse 13 declares that we were created to be the head and not the tail. Amen? So the final thought for us this afternoon is that we also have to give God permission to bless us. God's promises and God's provisions are a bit like checks. You know, one or two of us are over this side of the room are old enough to understand what a check is, right? <laughs> for those of us that are a bit younger, checks you have to write it out, you have to take it to the bank, put it into the bank, and have to wait three to five working days in order for the money to clear. God's promises and God's provision over your life are a bit like checks. They have to be cashed. You have to lay hold of them. You have to embrace them. It's no good enough just standing there thinking, oh, I'm waiting for God to bless me. There was a meme that I couldn't find. I'm really annoyed. Everyone say, ah, ah. And it goes something like this. It's just a picture, like someone put some text over it. But it basically says that unless we get up and get out of our poverty mindset, we will spend our lives in church shouting, yes, God, I receive it, I receive it, I receive it. And you will live your whole life waiting to receive it. It requires action. It requires faith. It requires us to abandon poverty mindsets and embrace the promises of God over every single part of our lives. So I want you to take a moment to finally think about this. What is the biggest hindrance for you? Is it that your dad spent years in between jobs and therefore you're determined, I'm not going to live that way, so you work night and day, seven days a week, in order to provide? That's a poverty mindset. You might not think it is, but it is. Is it that there was never enough food in the home and so your fridge is full all the time and you spend half your week chucking out half the food because the food has gone out of date by the time you get round to it? What is the thing that is hindering you from receiving and embracing every single one of God's promises from your life? Because God's resources are sufficient. Fact. My Bible tells me so. So anything you say that contradicts that, I reject. Embrace God's promises. Seriously, God does not want us to have a poverty mindset. It is also not health and wealth, name it and claim it, right? You know, God alone knows what we need. He knows our needs before we even need them. And so you're sit you might be sitting here thinking, oh, money's the answer. No, 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 no. 
Because if we don't know how to steward that finance, then we will squander it. And the very thing that became a blessing has now become a curse. And God doesn't operate like that. But I want to ask you, again, rounding up our thoughts, really, what is the most outrageous thing that you're believing God for? And what is the percentage with which you believe that to happen? And finally, what is the biggest hindrance? What is the, what is the biggest generational challenge or biggest issue in your heart that is stopping you receiving what God wants you to have? And the evidence for poverty mindset, by the way, is absolutely everywhere. You know, you can't bless anyone without someone getting really antsy about it. You know, you know in America, for example, it's very normal when you drive through the Starbucks that people will do it, pay it forward. So they just pay for the coffee for the, for the people behind them. A number of people, they get really ratty about that. You're just paying for a cup of coffee. But that's because our mindset dictates, no, 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 I can't accept that because I have a poverty mindset because of challenges in our lives. That is not our portion. So we have to abandon this today, friends. Otherwise, we will never see the fullness of God's resources in our lives. I don't know about you, I want to see the goodness and the fullness of God in his love, in his grace, in his mercy, in his joy, in every area of my life. So why would it not be in his resources? Why do we abandon our thinking on that but embrace it everywhere else? Because of the way of the environment, the exposure, and the experiences that we've had in our lives.